0: Is he? Hey, how's it going? You crazy! What is he? You crazy, huh? Uh. Where does he come from? <clears throat> you kill us all! You kill us all! Keep away! No! Keep away from me! Look out! Watch out! Run! It's Stark Dog Nerd! Hi there, folks. My name is Scott Gardner, and I've got a few things to say about Superman. Welcome to Episode 2. Thank you for joining me. For those of you that are just tuning in, I am a lifelong Superman fan who feels, um, let's say, disenchanted with the current direction of the character in both modern comics and most other uh, media interpretations. So I've decided to take a little look back at some stories and the different eras and the general interpretations that I like best. In essence, to reconnect with Superman and share my love for the character as I see him with you, my friends. So, I hope you enjoy the show. By the way, I want to apologize right up front. <clears throat> I have a bit of a frog in my throat, and I'm not sure that's because uh I did like eight straight hours of podcasting last night with my friends, or if it's because I might be coming down with something I'm not sure, so I do apologize. I am uh recording this show. How do I want to say? I' not live because you're not hearing it live It's obviously recorded, but uh I'm doing these shows without much tinkering around with the editing process. Because for one thing, I want you to basically be catching the essence of me, so to speak. Um, you know I, how I—I I, want to come off very natural with this. I don't want it to be uh, flashy and staged and canned and well edited and all that sort of thing. I, I want it to be very raw for the purposes of hopefully coming across natural. You know what I mean? And and you really getting me out of the show. I, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but that's kind of what I want to do with this, so I don't want to have to spend a, a lot of time tinkering around with things. So that's my uh, long-winded way of saying I apologize if I need to clear my throat or uh, if I sound a little uh, froggy in my throat in parts of this. Anyway, I am very excited about the uh, issue that I'm going to be looking at today, and I'm taking you along for the ride. I picked this one up for a mere $3 very, very recently At my new LCS, and that is uh, Comic Central in Sanford, Florida. And I just want to say, when I plug stuff, nine times out of ten, when I plug something, particularly like this comic shop, I'm not getting paid for this. I plug because I like, you know what I mean? So, I'm talking them up because I genuinely enjoy their store, I genuinely enjoy their service, so just to put that out there. So why did I pick this up? Well, I picked this up because it's a nice old back issue. I love the cover on it. But one of the things it advertised on it, I was pretty darn sure that I was kind of sort of familiar with this story, that it was one that I remembered from my childhood, and it was a story that I always, always loved. So I picked it up just kind of on a whim. It was, a, it was $3, and I figured, hey, if nothing else, the cover's awesome, even if the interior sucks. Well, it turns out, It is that story that I thought it was. So I'm taking you along with me. We're going to journey all the way back to December, January 1970, 71 for Superman number 232. Sports an awesome cover on it by uh, Kurt Swan and Murphy Anderson. And honestly, I see a whole lot more Murphy Anderson in here than I see Kurt Swan in here. I wasn't really sure who the artists were on this. I could see the Murphy Anderson in it, but I wasn't sure who the primary artist was because Superman here, to me, does not look like a Kurt Swan, but it is an awesome, awesome cover. And it's Superman literally holding up the world of Krypton. There's all kinds of cover copy all over this thing. You know, of course it says Superman because this is a Superman title. Up in the corner, you've got a great classic Superman with his fist in the air, kind of flying, punching type of thing. It says uh, DC Giant Superman, and then it says Giant G-78. If somebody knows what that means, please write in and let me know. I've always wondered about that. I thought, well, maybe that's the page count. Nope, this is like 63 or 64 pages, so it's not the page count. I have no idea what G78 means. Maybe it's some sort of internal DC code type of thing. I have no idea. Uh, Only 25 cents it advertises. That's a hell of a lot of comic for 25 cents. I mean, there's several stories in this thing, and it's huge. It's awesome. Anyway, Superman is holding up the planet Krypton, and within the world of Krypton, there are several little uh, vignettes. One of them says the last days of Krypton, and it shows Baby Kal-el being blasted away from uh, from the exploding planet. There's another one that shows uh, this guy on what basically looks like a flying, like a flying surfboard, and it says the legend of the Winged One, and he's being chased by this giant uh, white dragon. It's really cool looking, and then the one that. Uh, Made me pick up this issue is Superman's in the driver's seat of this little flying, uh, like almost like a racer, like from Star Wars Episode two type of thing. And it says, Superman's return to Krypton. Superman's in the driver's seat of this car, and next to him is this uh, pretty blonde lady. And then in the back seat, Jor-el and Lara, his parents. Bottom, where Superman's holding up the planet, says Krypton lives again in these mighty tales, plus other special features, and we'll be looking at those as well over time. What I'm going to do, I'll I'll be honest, right up front, I'm going to split this into chapters, and I'm going to cover them chapter-wise, because... Along with being raw and unedited for the most part with this show, I also want to be uh, as brief as possible. Now, brief's not my thing. Anybody that knows me from any of my other shows know that I am one long-winded SOB. So in order not to bore you too much, I'm going to break these things down into into little bite-sized pieces for you. So we will be looking at this story over the course of, uh, of a couple of episodes. Right up front, we're going to be looking at chapter one of the first story in here, Superman's Return to Krypton. Now, this is not the original place where this story was presented. This is a reprint. It was originally from Superman number 141 in November of 1960. And uh, here it is being reprinted 10 years later. Now, this uh, right on the inside cover, you know, the first page, along with the Indici and everything else, gives a table of contents. Now, I'm not big on spoilers, and the the table of contents for this basically gives a little uh, synopsis of each chapter of every story, and, and basically every story that's in here. And I got to realize as I was looking this over, wow, it pretty much spoils everything that you're about to read. It's like, why would they do that? So I'm going to skip over it. I'm just going to tell you that the name of the story is Superman's Return to Krypton. And if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know why you're listening. Because, man, Superman and going back to Krypton, I'm all over that. So on the next page, we get what I assume was probably the original first page of this story. And it's beautiful. It's a full-page splash page. It's by one of my absolute favorite Superman artists. And again, this is one of the big reasons I think I love this story so much. I love Wayne Boring Superman. I know he's not for everybody, but I dig him a whole hell of a lot. And this is a beautiful, beautiful splash page. And it's very, very strange because... It's the planet Krypton, and again, it's Superman in the driver's seat, or what I'm presuming is the driver's seat of this flying rocket. Actually, it is the driver's seat. Now that I look really close, there's actually a steering wheel that's hilarious. It does look very, very much like... Imagine if there was a clear bubble over top of the uh, the speeder that Anakin uses to go rescue Obi-Wan in the very beginning of Star Wars Episode Two, and you pretty much got the same car. So it's this flying car flying over the top of what's supposed to be Krypton. But what's really odd about this is there's this giant rocket ship in the background. And then Krypton, you know, this, uh, one of the cities, maybe it's Kryptonopolis, I have no idea, is in the background. But instead of looking like a futuristic, uh, you know, otherworldly scene, it really looks more like something out of uh, King Arthur. It's like a mashup of, you know, the people are dressed very much like, say, like... Uh, Arthurian times, or, you know, maybe medieval times, something out of maybe, like, even a fairy tale, because there's a guy on horseback. Actually, he's a guy on unicorn back. And uh, he's got, like, a feathery helmet, and he's holding a a flag up and everything. And it's... So all the people are dressed very much like that, but the city in the background is actually more out of something like the Arabian Nights. It's very, very strange, this mash-up of styles, because... Later on, when we see Krypton in the story, it's very much uh, futuristic, or at least, you know, 50s futuristic. Anyway, this is the title page, and Superman is saying something, he says, Our great space arc is ready to blast off Jor-El. Soon we'll uh, enter and escape before Krypton explodes. So it's like, ooh, really? Is Superman going to mess with the time stream and, and alter history by saving his parents? intrigue right off the bat so superman's return to krypton presenting a great three-part novel featuring superman in the most surprising adventure he has ever experienced part one and again now granted this is the way this was presented in 1960 so maybe i should read it to you but i'm not going to because i think it spoils too much well actually i can go ahead and read it to you because i've already kind of spoiled it anyway it says part one superman meets jor and Lara again so there you go so we see Superman, the story opens in the, it says late one afternoon in Metropolis, it says, Superman soars near an observatory while on patrol. And it's really cool because Superman is not flying in a traditional Superman style. Instead of having his hands out in front of him, you know, type of thing, or even his fist out in front of him, you know, with his, with his legs cocked or something. This is Superman more, I'm not sure how to describe it. He's like in a standing position almost. He's like standing yet leaned for, it's almost like he's falling over imagine imagine if superman uh you know was tripping or something and that's kind of what it looks like he's leaning forward as if he had been standing and was putting his hands out to catch him uh so he didn't hit his head or something that's kind of the position he's in while he's flying but it looks really cool it's like he's he's skimming forward instead of actually like flying forward it's a really neat pose and i like it a lot and superman's thinking to himself it's professor Galsworthy, the famous astronomer now Maybe the 50s and 60s were really, really different. I couldn't name you an astronomer today. I don't care how damn famous they are. But anyway, so this guy calls to Superman. Hey, come down here. Check this out. So Superman goes into the observatory, and the guy says, I won't even attempt to describe it. Look in the eyepiece and see for yourself. So Superman says, I don't need to do that. I got me telescopic vision. So he looks out there, and he says, great, Scott. So he takes off. Now, what's hilarious is they're outside, and it says seconds later, and they're outside the observatory again. And the scientist guy says, what in tarnation is it? Now, you know, when I hear tarnation, I imagine it's something that like some hillbilly says. I wouldn't imagine that it's something that a famous astronomer says. But maybe back in those days, maybe everybody, you know, maybe tarnation was a much more, you know, in common usage type of thing, but I just get a kick out of it because it's really something I would expect to hear on like the Beverly Hillbillies or something, not a show about a famous uh, astronomer. So Superman says, I don't know, but I'm sure I sure intend to find out. So he zips out into space and encounters pretty much the craziest thing you've ever seen. Imagine a star bellied snitch that it's midsection was the size of a planet. That's pretty much what you're looking at here. I'm not making this up. Superman says it's alive, a living creature as big as a planet, whether it's friendly or looking for trouble. I don't know. And the thing is, real—it's—it's it's both cute and ridiculous-looking at the same time. Well, the Superman startles the creature, and it takes off. It says, reverses its flight, and flashes off at incredible speed. And Superman thinks to himself, "Fantastic! It's unbelievably swift. If I don't fly faster, it'll soon be out of sight." But and I don't remember this ever happening before or since, I could be wrong, haven't read every single Superman story that exists in the world, but I don't remember this ever happening in anything else I've ever read. He actually flies too fast. How fast? So damn fast that he breaks the time barrier and crashes literally ass over tea kettle back through the time barrier. And finds himself, (gasps) great guns, that planet and its red sun. I recognize them because of the rebounding light rays I once overtook and studied. The planet Krypton, the world where I was born. It blew up just after I was rocketed to Earth. Yes, Superman, I know that. You tell me all the time. So Superman realizes, hey, I'm really screwed if I don't land. So he realizes that he's royally screwed up. He accidentally flew way the hell back in the past, not to mention the fact, and again, they don't really give any sort of relation between like Krypton and Earth, just how close or how far are they apart. So I'm thinking that Superman not only went really, really, really fast, he had to go really, really, really far if he wound up all the way back in time to to the location where Krypton was, which is something that, of course, is not addressed at all in this story. So Superman realizes he's hurting in a bad way. He better land, like, right now. So, of course, he does. He zips down. He says, I made it, and barely in time. In another split second, I'll lose my superpowers. And sure enough, he finds himself on the planet, uh, on the surface of this strange planet. It's awesome. It's very much the, the opening parts of this, where Superman initially finds himself actually reminds me a lot of like Felucia from Star Wars cuz it's all these giant weird plants and stuff it's really cool looking it's it's like that it's a, it's a lot like a you know if you ever saw like uh the old Bugs Bunny cartoon that was a take on Jack and the Beanstalk where where Bugs Bunny found himself you know in like the the giant garden type of thing it's kind of like that there's giant mushrooms and giant leaves everywhere and uh Superman immediately says uh I got to test myself so he picks up a rock can't crush it He's lost his superpowers. He says, I'm an ordinary Kryptonian again. Years ago, when my parents, jor and Lara, launched me toward Earth in a model rocket uh, ship seconds before Krypton exploded, I had no superpowers at all. I feel like he's over-explaining things a little bit, but I don't know. That's just kind of how comics were back then. They really laid out the details a whole lot. He says, what gave me my superpowers on Earth was Earth's lighter gravity and the fact that unlike Krypton's red sun, Earth's solar system... Has a yellow sun, so at least he's acknowledging that this has to be, at the very least, another solar system. the The next panel, just I really like it. It's there's nothing dynamic or anything about it. It's simply Superman standing there, and he's thinking to himself all about the yellow rays and blah blah blah, and just you know that he's now an ordinary. It's a lot of exposition, but I love this panel because he, Superman is casually just tossing the rock away, the rock that he couldn't crush. I don't know why I love this panel so much, but I—it's just—it's great. It's just—it's kind of a an ordinary thing for someone to do. Just stand there and throw the rock down. But I, I just love the way it's illustrated. Uh, Wayne Boring is just—he's so underrated. He's a—he was a hell of an artist, and uh, I, I just love the art throughout this entire issue. So Superman. He's starting to come to uh, a really bad realization. He says, Since I can't fly away under my own power, I'm trapped here on Krypton. I'll perish when this world explodes. It's got to be a horrible realization. He knows what's coming. He says, space, uh, space travel hasn't yet been perfected on this world. I escaped as a child uh, in the model, uh, the experimental rocket. He says, how ironic. I survived the destru- destruction of Krypton as a child and now may die as an adult in that same explosion. Yeah, I'm not usually a big fan of irony in comics because I feel like it's really overdone and cheesy a lot of times. It's used as almost a crutch, and we're going to see a little bit of that in this story. But in this instance, I like Superman's realization of, wow, the irony. It's it's actually really nice. So for an undisclosed amount of time, Superman just kind of wanders around until all of a sudden... He wanders through this clearing, and he finds, lo and behold, the last thing he expected to see, a spaceship. He says, but how is that possible when spaceships did not exist on Krypton before its destruction? Now, I'm going to tangent for just a second. I'm a little confused here myself. Now, I know that that was one of the big deals with you know, Jor-El and inventing the rocket that took his son to Earth and all that, but... The Kryptonians didn't have space flight like at all. Now it depends on what kind of space flight you're talking about. Like, I guess what they're talking about here is the space flight as in you know they had the ability to actually leave their world. I yeah I'm not sure about that. I do know that there were other uh, what was it moons around Krypton that were inhabited. Well, how the hell did they get inhabited? How did they even know that they were inhabited unless they had been there? Because there's one Phantom Zone villain that got sent to the Phantom Zone because he blew up an inhabited moon of Krypton. So I'm not sure exactly how the hell that works. Did they only have like the ability we have where they could go as far as their moon and that was pretty much it? I, I really don't know. Plus, I know that prior to the Phantom Zone, the way that they punished their, their bad guys was they put them in a freaking rocket and sent them out into space. So it's a little inconsistent and I'm not really sure... Yeah, I, I it probably depends on the era too. I'm I'm sure that this sort of thing mutated over the you know at this time what would this have been 40 year history of uh, no this is 1970s so this is a um 30 you know 30 plus 32 year history of Superman I'm sure that these things mutated and plus they mutated beyond that point anyway I'm getting off track promptly. Uh, the answer becomes clear as a voice speaks in Kryptonese, the Kryptonian language Superman long ago mastered through his memory's uh, power of total recall. I love that. He just gets more and more superpowers all the time, and I like it. So we see this guy called him, and he says, You! File into that props, quote-unquote, spaceship, with the other movie extras wearing strange, quote-unquote, space costumes. And Superman simply says, Yes! And he thinks to himself it's a Kryptonian uh, motion picture crew shooting a science fiction film now the the hilarious thing about this is the director i mean he's completely earth centric he's got a white shirt with his sleeves rolled out it's a it already looks like it might be a short sleeve shirt anyway it's a traditional earth collar he's got a scarf slash ascot type of thing tied around his neck so he looks from the neck down he looks like uh Freddy from Scooby-Doo. And then he's wearing a beret, uh, a blue b- or black beret, and he's got a, uh, a mustache and goatee. So he very much looks like your stereotypical like French director type. Of, it's hilarious. <laughs> Superman's thinking, I've been mistaken for an extra because of my costume. What a stroke of luck. It will give me a chance to earn a living on this world. Now this is going to come up again later in my notes here. Says uh, So he goes into the spaceship and he ends up seated next to a beautiful girl, and she's uh, she's got her hair all dolled up. It's very attractive, even in a fifties in sixties way. And uh, she's wearing a, a very attractive low cut dress. She's got a, a necklace on that's very fancy. And she's just really beautiful, beautiful. And I love the way she's drawn. She's she's drawn to where she actually is very very attractive. And Superman winds up sitting next to her in the model rocket ship. He says that girl beside the director is hauntingly beautiful. Am I imagining it, or is she really staring at me? And the director's hes uh, barking orders through. It's actually like a uh, like a miniaturized megaphone. It's it's really kind of strange-looking instrument. And he says, Don't be nervous, actors. Though this spaceship is only a prop and can't really fly higher than any normal spaceship, you'll be perfectly safe. Well, of course, the rocket takes off, and something goes wrong. The rockets fail, and something happens to the pilot. So it's Superman that saves the day. And I wonder if this is supposed to be a thought bubble, but the way it's drawn here, it's actually... Wait a minute. Nope, I'm wrong. It is a thought bubble. Excuse me. So anyway, he says, If I still had my superpowers, I'd have done something more spectacular than merely switch on the emergency rockets. But he did manage to save the day. So, you know, what, is Superman a glory hound or something? He can't just quietly save the day without everybody going, Hey, Superman, you saved us! Anyway, (laughs) the pilot revives... They land, everything's cool, and everybody filters out of the ship. Superman is completely captivated by the mystery girl. He can't stop looking at her. He says, she's so lovely, it's unbelievable. And the director tells everyone, he says, we're temporarily halting shooting on these space explorers. Well, yeah, almost everybody died. Your your star was in danger in this thing. So he's, he halts the production, he says, until we can borrow a, a fire-breathing space creature from the Kryptonian Zoo for an important scene in the picture. Now remember that, it's going to come up later. He says, meanwhile, each of you who wears your quote-unquote space uniform whenever you, uh, wherever you go during the next few weeks as a publicity stunt for the movie will get a big bonus. He actually says a big bonus now. He says, we'll notify you when to return for the completion of the filming. And Superman... He's saying, count me in. And he's holding two in each of his hands. He's holding a big old stack of greenbacks. Greenbacks. This is another planet, yet they have money, and it looks exactly like Earth money. It's, oh, it just cracks me up. I mean, even on our own planet, not of all of our money looks alike. You know, like in Canada, you've got that funny Monopoly money. I mean, come on. Anyway... So presently, Superman roams through crowded Kryptonian streets, he's thinking, for years, I've thought of Krypton as being dead, but now I've crashed the time barrier. It's very much alive, and it's not a dream. I like that scene a lot. It's just Superman, he's the only one in the crowd that stands out because he's the only one that's colored in. Everybody else is this uniform, like, gray color. And it's really nice, uh, and seeing Superman mingling amongst his own people, basically. And suddenly there's uh, this giant TV screen comes on. And it it, rem- it reminds me a lot of, uh, I believe it was Deep Space Nine that used to show these giant TVs that would come on on uh, oh, the planet with the, or well, the Cardassians. And the, like, the leaders would make an announcement where all the people would stop and watch. The, it's very much like that. So everybody stops and watches this. And it's a newsflash that says, here we see the famed scientist Jor-El and his bride-to-be Lara entering the palace, uh, uh, the palace of marriage. Soon they will be man and wife. The palace of marriage, huh? And Superman thinks to himself, "Great Scott! It's my parents." Well, not yet. They're not Superman. So Superman he jumps into a, like a space cab. And he gets taken to the Palace of Marriage. And I like the, uh, the driver says, So you're wearing that costume to advertise a space movie, eh? I was wondering about your strange clothing. Now, come on. Is it really any stranger than anybody else's? Because Superman, as he goes into this place, for whatever reason, there's a gallery that he has to pass through that has all these busts. And one of them is uh it says Jor L1 one, Lara 1 and all these different ones and the guy that's standing behind him has a has a s- costume that's somewhat so, you know what it actually looks like it looks a lot like amazing man's from um All-Star Squadron but it's like Jimmy Olsen wearing amazing man's costume it's pretty funny and he sa- and the guy says amazing how strongly you resemble that statue coincidence eh and i'd like to see Superman turn around and say Shut, don't talk to me go away But instead, he thinks to himself, coincidence, nothing, he's my grandfather. Obviously, it's an old Kryptonian custom for statues of the parents of both the bride and groom to adorn weddings. Huh? Okay, I guess. It seems like the place would get awful crowded. Or, you know, what do they They keep these statues around somewhere and then every time somebody gets married, they have to haul the statues all the way to the uh, palace of marriage? That seems like a pain in the ass. So Superman, he's attending the ceremony, and he actually attends his parents' wedding. It's pretty cool. Now, there's not like a gate crasher. There's not somebody going, hey, yeah, uh, you know, what, what, what's your deal? Why are you here? You know, I mean, maybe the Kryptonian thing, they're not as concerned about, you know, people just, you know, wedding crashing, coming in to, you know, for free food or whatever. Anyway, Superman gets in. He stands right next to Jor-El during the ceremony. Now, you would think that somebody that's like, in the wedding party and related to these people would get a little bit pissed by the fact that this dude just wanders in from outside and stands right next to the groom nobody says anything to superman and he's all choked up he says neither they nor anyone else on this world has long to live he thinks this as uh jor-el takes the vow of uh you know do you promise to love each other as long as you both shall live and you know he says i do and then that's when superman gets all choked up thinking well (laughs) that's not gonna be for very damn long So they're pronounced man and wife, and they are given their their bracelets. They don't wear uh, rings on Krypton. They have marriage bracelets of a color variation all their own, which no other couple is allowed to duplicate. Well, just how many colors do they have in the Kryptonian color palette anyway? Or they have a really small populace, one of the two. So... Superman is kind of perplexed as to what to do as the, you know, the happy newlyweds rush out. Superman decides, well, you know, I, I can't ruin their big day. But he's more concerned with what should he tell them. He wants to talk to them. I mean, they're, they're his only touchstone on this planet. And he wants to kind of insinuate himself into their into their lives. But what to tell them? You know, what what cover story or whatever should he make up? And he decides he can't tell them that he's their son, because then he would have to tell them that they're soon doomed to die, and he just can't do that to them. So the next couple of panels, I love. I just absolutely love, especially this first one, Superman is out on the balcony, and it says, checking into a Kryptonian sky hotel, Superman spends a sleepless night. Now, I don't want to beat a dead horse, so I'll only bring this up to one time, but I just have to know how how much did this gig pay him anyway that he actually he begins to forge a life right there and then i mean he was an extra i i wouldn't think that movie extras make a whole hell of a lot of money but you know it's enough that superman you know gets a sky hotel pad you know he's able to you know evidently get food and live comfortably and uh, as we'll see, there are other developments that just make me wonder, you know, wow, how how good paying a gig was this anyway? So anyway, he's thinking to himself as he, you know, is spending this sleepless night. He's on the balcony. He's looking out at the darkened, you know, cityscape and thinking, look at them down there, living, laughing, loving, blind to the crashing doom that will soon destroy them all. I've got to escape from this doom world. But How? How? I have no superpowers here on Krypton. Yes, Superman, I know that. <sighs> but I do like that scene a lot. I like it a whole lot. Although I just thought of something. It never really occurred to me till just this moment. Superman's, he is sad about what's going to happen to these people. Yet his concerns for himself, ultimately, at least the way this paragraph reads, he's ultimately concerned with how am I going to get away I'm trying to remember if that premise changes throughout the story or not whether he becomes concerned with more people than just himself. We'll have to see how that develops over the course of the story. So, it says that the next panel says then one evening Superman makes a decision. So, more than one night passes between these two panels. And Superman, and I love this panel, just the the architecture behind him and around him, it's everything I love about old-timey projections of the future, especially like how the 50s and 60s projected the future. Because this basically looks a lot like some of the 70s architecture that, that we would give, kind of the 70s architecture that a lot of people look back on and, and kind of groan about now. I love that stuff. And uh, that's pretty much the the futuristic uh, slash retro apartment that he's got. I just It's hard to describe. I just love this panel. And Superman's thinking to himself, and he says, I want to be with my mother and father. Somehow I must become uh, their close friend without revealing my real relationship to them. So he does. He uh, he actually builds a gadget. It says, Building an unusual gadget similar to an Earth-type gyroscope, Superman visits his parents' home. And right away, Lara knows something's up. She realizes that Superman looks a hell of a lot... Well, she says he looks familiar. And... Jor-El says, I don't know who he is, and he, Superman presents Jor-El with his little invention and basically says, hey, can I have a job? You know, he, he tells Jor-El that, you know, I'd really much rather be a scientist like you, kissing his butt, than be a lowly actor, and so Jor-El, you know, for wh- one thing, he asks, uh, he says, what is your name, and Superman accidentally, supposedly accidentally, blurts out, Kal-El. And immediately says, "Whoops, my real Kryptonian name slipped out. But since I haven't been born yet, no harm done. Names ending with L are quite common on Krypton. Well, I don't care how common they are. If you know, Gardner's a fairly common name too. But if I met somebody that I thought, you know, was strangely familiar, or you know, their features were reminiscent of other people in my family, or whatever." And then they told me that, well, my name is you know Joe Gardner. Well, immediately, the first thing I'm going to go, you know, the next place I'm going to go in the conversation is trying to find out, oh, well, do we share any common relatives? That seems like a pretty, you know, a, a fairly obvious and logical course for the conversation to go, but that doesn't happen here. And instead, they question him about his costume, and he explains, you know, the whole deal with, you know, he's a movie extra and all that. So jor does tell him that, They're holding exams for job applicants tomorrow at the missile base where I work. Which, again, that was a bit of a revelation to me. I I never really stopped before to think, what did Jor-El do? You know, he was always described as a scientist. It was good enough for me. But I think it's interesting that he actually works, at least in this story, he works in a missile base. That kind of lends into the whole, you know, inventing the rocket thing. That's kind of cool. So Jor-El gives Superman a memory pillow. And it's basically, this is a this is like a little cheating device where Superman goes home that night, puts his head down on the pillow, and this thing, like, uh, sends all the information he's going to need for the test the next day into his subconscious mind. It's kind of cool, but I also think that's kind of a cheat. He doesn't have to study or know any of this stuff. He can just use this memory pillow thing to pass the test and get a job the next day. You know, what about the guys that, like, went to college for this shit? So anyway... <laughs> He, of course, he gets the job and he becomes the new assistant to Jor-El. And here's irony rearing its head in uh, this nice panel here where Superman is actually sitting at the drafting table, drawing up something that looks a heck of a lot like a submarine, but I guess it's supposed to be a rocket. But jor is looking over his shoulder and he says, nicely done. He says, I hope you don't mind my giving you a little, ha-ha, quote-unquote, fatherly advice from time to time. And Superman's turning to kind of smile up at him. And he says, please do. I really like this scene. I don't mean to make fun. But it, it is funny. And Superman thinks to himself, gosh, dad, swell. That's exactly what it says. Gosh, dad, swell. And he says, it's weird having a father who is practically your own age. Wouldn't he be shocked if he knew and yes, it's comic book irony, but I like it. It's, uh, it is sweet. I really, I like, the, I like the innocence of it. You know what I mean? I, 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 I don't know. It, it works for me. It really does appeal to me. And so one evening, jor invites his new assistant home to a dinner party. And who's there? <gasps> the mystery girl. Superman says, it's her. That breathtakingly lovely girl I saw during the filming of the space movie. And he tells Jor-El, as he Jor-El starts to introduce her, and he goes, No, 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 wait, wait, don't tell me. I'll bet her initials are LL. Sure enough, and Superman thinks to himself, Astonishingly, every girl who ever meant anything to me has always had those initials. What about his uh, adoptive mother? She didn't. Anyway, I can't take my eyes away from her. And Jor-El is like, Well, of course. He says, who doesn't know Lila LaRoll is Krypton's most famous emotion movie actress? I like that, emotion movie. And uh, she speaks to him for the first time. She says, I noticed you during the filming of the Space Explorers. I still, I see you're still wearing your quote-unquote space costume as you agreed. And they hit it off immediately. <laughs> There's a really nice panel of uh, Superman. Again, he's he's uh staring at her he can't take his eyes off her. he's just completely mesmerized by lila and they're standing to one side of the panel as some other people are gathered around this is actually quite the big party going on at the jor pad here and this robot this really really cool looking robot is it's hard to tell if he's giving the people a plate Or if he's dropping this tiny little thing onto the plate that they already have. But the caption reads, As they dine on concentrated food pills. Mmm! Mmm! Food pills! Yeah. They know how to party on Krypton. It says, Singing flowers softly serenade. And you have to remember... This is well before Star Trek. I can't help but wonder if some of the singing flowers that we saw in Star Trek uh, might have got their inspiration from stuff like this. I have no idea if that's uh, true or not, but I think it's kind of of interesting that uh, they share that in common. Anyway, Superman again thinking to himself, everything about Lila appeals to me. Her laughing eyes, her lips that plead to be kissed, And she's uh, talking to me. She says, you're different from other Kryptonian men. It's almost as though that uh, silly spacesuit of yours was real. Tell me all about yourself, Kal-El. And the next panel says, fearing to betray his secret, Superman is evasive. And later, as the guests gamble... And that's not gamble as in like throwing dice or, or a roulette wheel. It's gam g a m b o l gamble. Gamble? I don't know. I'm not terribly familiar with this world. As the guests gamble in the anti gravity swimming pool, and this is really cool. It's literally it's like a, a a drop of water, but you know, huge like pool size, suspended in the air where people are actually swimming in the air. It's really neat. And he's thinking to himself. She swims like Lori the Mermaid and is as curious as Lois Lane. I'd better leave before I make a fool of myself over her. <laughs> and I'm reminded reminded of a Monty Python bit about um, where that woman goes, I could make such a fool of myself over you, and then she puts on the silly glasses and goes, <laughs> I love that. I'd like to see Superman do that in this story. I think that'd be hilarious. And she'd look at him like, you're a freak. Anyway, last panel, for this chapter. It says, Slipping away, Superman hails a jet taxi and drives off. And again, we see one of these very Jetson-y looking things zipping off into the sky as uh, Lila runs out and she says, He's deliberately avoiding me. Hmm. Now he interests me more than ever. And Superman is thinking to himself, Romance on Krypton is not for me. I've got to escape before this world explodes. And the chapter wraps up with... Can Superman really forget Lila or will he fall uh, helplessly head over heels in love with Krypton's most glamorous beauty? See part two. And that's where we're going to stop for now. We will continue next time with chapter two, Superman's Kryptonian Romance. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. I got a kick out of it. I... (laughs) i really really like this story and uh, i hope i'm conveying what i like about it but uh it's going to go in very exciting places and i hope you'll uh, join me for the rest of this this really is a fantastic story and uh and i like it a lot and i'm happy to bring it to you so anyway that's it for this week folks Be sure to visit our website at www2 for more exciting podcasts featuring both Michael Bailey, Chris Honeywell, myself, as well as several other sad, pathetic human beings who have nothing better to do with their time. Join our forum at www.ForumForGeeks.com where you can comment on this very show. You can interact with me and Mike and Chris and everybody else, your fellow listeners. We have a really great, fun, and friendly community over there, and we really, really enjoy you being a part of it. So please join our forum and participate. As always, you can reach this show at Tail Oh wait a minute, this isn't Tails, this is Back to the Bins. You can reach this show at back to the bins at gmail.com. See, I told you I'm not editing these things. And of course, I and Michael Bailey and Chris Honeywell and uh, so many of the other participants on the forum, we're all members of Facebook. We're all over that thing. Speaking of Facebook, if you like this show, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please, please mention it on the social networking site of your choice whenever you're listening. Won't you please? I would appreciate that. Word of mouth is still the very best way to let others know about our show. And I do appreciate you helping me, and helping us to grow the listenership of everything related to Two True Freaks. Again, thank you for listening. I really hope that you're enjoying the show. Drop me a line uh, in any number of ways, email, Facebook, uh, whatever. Let me know what you think of it. You know, what are you digging? What are you not digging? What can I do better? Uh, that sort of thing. And please come back. Join me again for Back to the Bin Presents. I've got a few things to say about Superman. See you next time.